Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 149. Yeah, 149. And we're coming to you with an amazing interview today. I'm super excited about this. I love interviews because we get a different perspective, right? I'm sure sometimes our listeners are like, all right, Mike and Orlando, Mike and Orlando, they got some stuff to but say. We but we never know which ones are going to hit really well. Well, and it, well, right? they're all good. They're all excellent. I think the reason why is because every every person that we interview is going to reach a different part of our listening audience, right? Like some people are going to really resonate with with one person, their style. Other people are going to resonate with a tip or something that they're getting from another person. So that's what I really like about our interviews is it's, it's kind of a way to reach out to even more of our listeners and kind of find, I mean, think about all the interviews where we've kind of like changed the way we resell yeah, because of it, yeah. you know? So uh, I'm super excited about this one. And, and the other thing is, you know, sometimes, and as you comment on the YouTube or you hit us up in the DMs, we always get questions, like questions upon questions. And and Mike and I, we always say we're not gurus. We just know a little bit more, but not that much more. And we're always learning. And so the one we get hit on the most we get hit on. Is that the right per? Well, I don't know about that. Okay. The one we get hit with the most is, Hey, what about bulk buying? What about pallets? What about liquidation? Mm -hmm. And to be real, like we've only done a couple times. Right. And this individual that we have on right now, she has definitely been killing it lately with this over and over again. And the reason I thought we should bring her on, cause she's so good at explaining things and, and she's vibrant and great. And so we are, Honored to have Lindy Glenn on the podcast today. So, Lindy Glenn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, you guys. I am so happy to be here. I've been waiting for this, by the way. Ever since we met at eBay Open, I've been waiting for this. So, I'm very, very happy to be here. So, my name is Lindy. If you don't know who I am, I have a YouTube channel where I talk all about my personal reselling journey. I share the things that I'm learning as I am actually learning them. Um, I've been on YouTube for a few years now. So I know a lot of my followers have seen me go from selling, you know, only a couple of thousand dollars worth of merchandise all the way up to last month where I hit $10,000 in sales, which was a milestone for myself. I was very, very excited about it. So my channel has just a little bit of everything, Mm. some, some kind of real life kind of stuff, some how-to kind of things. And I am a mom, so I am juggling a whole lot of stuff (laughs) in addition to reselling. So it's definitely not all about reselling for me. So I just kind of, you know, share my life a little bit, but I love reselling. So I like to let you guys all know exactly what I'm doing that works, what doesn't work, and just kind of share my journey. Nice. Very cool. So what what was it that initially got you interested in reselling? What was the thing that was like, this is something... I'm interested in doing, and I think I can make this work with the way my family runs and and my lifestyle. What was that moment? So honestly, I think reselling is in my blood. Mm. It's I'm, I'm, and I know that a lot of people say that kind of thing. They're like, oh, it's in my blood. It runs deep. But no, I genuinely think it's in my blood. Like I've told the story before of when I was in third grade, um, I was eight years old and I asked my mom to buy me a pack of baseball cards. She was totally thrown aback because I have zero interest in sports. Mm. Um, But I asked for a pack of baseball cards. I took them to school and sold them for 10 cents a piece and turned a profit. And I actually got in trouble with the teacher for doing it. The teacher calls my mom and told her what I was doing. And my mom was more kind of like, wow, she did what now? (laughs) You know, and then... And then like, I would enjoy like helping my parents do our garage sales. And it was very cool to see 
people giving my parents money for things. And then like my parents would let me sell my old toys and keep the money. And it was just this good feeling like you're getting money for something you're not using. And then when I was, let's see, I don't even know how old I was when eBay first became a thing. My dad started selling on eBay. Like the first year eBay was online my dad was a seller. And I remember being probably middle school, early high school, helping my dad carry packages into the post office after school because he couldn't, he was selling so much, he couldn't carry it all. So he'd drag me to the post office and he'd care, you know, we'd carry the packages in. And I knew what he was doing. I didn't really know like the logistics and the profits and all of that. But I was seeing my dad make money And I knew that he was making money because he was actually selling things. I'd see him on the computer and I just thought it was so cool. Like how, how you can make money and like, it's like a job, but it's not a job. It was just very intriguing. And then of course, as a young adult, um, I got married very young. I had my first baby very young and money was really tight. And so when I needed to make some extra money, I immediately jumped into selling on eBay because it's just, it's what I knew. And I just kind of learned as I went because Mm -hmm. my dad could like tell me some things, but he couldn't really show me everything. Um, So I just kind of started learning as I went and it was just, it it just felt natural really. Wow. So you, you started YouTube three years ago, but I remember you had like a video to like 11 things I learned in my, you know, 11, no, multiple things I learned in my 11 years of reselling. So obviously you were reselling for a while. So what did it look like? Was it just like randomly like, hey, I want to sell something or were you consistently doing things before you started the YouTube? Oh, so prior to starting a YouTube channel, it was I was super hobbyist. It okay. was, it was just sell a few things here and there, make an extra 50 bucks this month, you know, take, take a break for a year because I had an actual job where I was working outside the house mm-hmm. or, you know, it was, it was never a job. Like it wasn't my job. It was just straight hobby. And then about a year before I started the YouTube channel, I had decided I had a new baby and I had decided that I was going to try to make reselling the only thing I did. Because prior to that, I'm a horrible employee, you guys. <laughs> like you would fire I, yourself, Lindy? I, I would fire myself. <laughs> and I've never been fired, but... I didn't ever like staying at any of the jobs I was at because I just didn't like working for somebody else. Mm. And, you know, every job I've ever had, I was promoted to management. I've been, (laughs) I've been a photographer at a corporate photography studio. I was a supervisor at that studio. I've been general manager of a holiday Inn express. I've been office manager to numerous bars in Aggieville, which if you don't know what Aggieville is, in Manhattan, Kansas, there's um, Kansas State, the K-State Wildcats. Aggieville is like the downtown college hub. Mm. There was um, one giant bar that was like four smaller bars. I was the office manager for them. Like it's, I've done all of these jobs and I just, I never liked going to work. Mm-hmm. I would like going to work for a little bit and then I just didn't like it anymore. And so when I quit my job 
as the office manager of those bars, I didn't have to work, but I couldn't not do anything. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I kind of decided, you know what, maybe, maybe I could be a reseller full time. Like that's all I did. That's all I did to make money. And so I slowly got into, I was mostly doing retail arbitrage and flipping things I would get off of Facebook marketplace. Mm. I wasn't really doing a lot of thrifting. I did garage sales here and there, but I was just slowly easing my way back into it. And then I had decided that I would start a YouTube channel because I was selling a lot of things that I didn't see anybody else on YouTube talking about. And so I was like, well, these people are talking about these things. And honestly, (laughs) my husband was deployed at the time. He's not in the military, but he works uh, with the military. And Mm -hmm. so he was deployed. I was bored and I had a new baby. I was bored. And so I was like, maybe I'll put up a couple of YouTube videos. (laughs) Maybe I'll tell people what I'm doing and see what happens. And that's just kind of how the whole thing got started. But it was right around the time of starting my YouTube channel. I really started kicking it up a notch because I was really starting to see I can do this full time and actually make money doing it. I won't. Maybe I don't have to go work for somebody else anymore. And so it all just kind of starting evolving and kind of rolling upwards when I started the YouTube channel. Wow. No, that's awesome. And and I totally understand. I feel like so many of our listeners and so many people who end up in this hustle life are are built that same way where working for somebody else, although they may do well and they may move up, it's just not what, what what's their passion about. Yeah. It's not something they're interested in. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from with that. Now, what were the types of things that you were selling? Like what what were the big items that you were, were you doing like local flips, furniture? Were you doing clothes? Like what, what were the types of items you were first into? So back about three or four years ago, right before I started the YouTube channel, I was flipping stuff from Dollar Tree. Okay. Uh, Cause I was finding, so. I remember those videos yeah. <laughs> back in the day. So where I live, I have very little option. One of the reasons why I started flipping from Facebook marketplace and retail arbitrage was because there was no thrifts here and the garage sales were laughable. Like there would be two garage sales in my entire town and all they had were stained baby clothes. It was, it was just not like I saw people. And that's another reason why I decided to start putting up YouTube videos, because most of the videos that I was seeing on YouTube, when I was, you know, trying to grow and learn a little bit and reach out to this community of people, most people were talking about thrifting. Mm. And I couldn't really find the cool stuffs at the thrift because there was nothing here. I'm in rural Kansas. Mm. You know, the best I could do was find you know, clearance bubble gum that would sell for profit or find stuff that was discontinued that just happened to be on the Dollar Tree shelves and I could make a profit. Now, granted, it wasn't a huge profit, but it was something, you know, I thought it was pretty darn cool to buy something at Dollar Tree and sell it for $10. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that was cool. So in the very beginning, when I had first started getting back into reselling, it was that kind of stuff. It was Anything and everything that I could find retail arbitrage. I was selling food items. I was selling weird doodads that I would find that was discontinued. I was selling uh, things that I would find on Facebook Marketplace mostly came from couponers because I myself was an extreme couponer. 
So I knew the art of finding deals with coupons. And I would even coupon myself and resell the stuff on eBay. And because I was a couponer, I was a part of all of these couponing groups on Facebook Marketplace. And not only were there Facebook groups where people would talk about the deals that you could get with the coupons, but people were also selling bundles of the Mm. things. Like if you have 50 tied pod bags in your stockpile and you don't think you're going to sell them all, then they sell them for a small markup for whatever they paid for it. So you could get really good deals. And so I was buying things from local couponers and flipping them on eBay. So way back when I first started, it was all basically the same kind of stuff I'm selling now. Yeah, Like it was all health and beauty, household, things that you could find at discontinued grocery stores, closeouts, that kind of stuff. Um, And then I had to change (laughs) what I was doing because I didn't realize at the time that the power of YouTube. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, I thought that I only had a couple hundred subscribers at the time. Mm. I didn't think that telling a couple hundred subscribers on YouTube about finding Tic Tacs at Dollar Tree would tank my market. I had no idea that 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 would happen. And that's exactly what happened because Mm -hmm. everything that I shared that could be found at Dollar Tree, like I was sharing it when you could still find it at Dollar Tree. I didn't realize that even five people doing that would completely flood the market on eBay. And I basically put myself out of business on those items. Mm. That's a that's a key lesson, though. And we yeah. talk about that all the time. I learned a lot. Yeah, and I've heard you talk about it about, you know, retail bolos you you just don't share. Or if you do share, you share maybe a month or two after the fact when yes. that that market is is over. Yeah, or like even yeah. teaching people the concept, right? Like so you could teach somebody the concept of how to find something valuable at the Dollar Tree without necessarily, you know, worrying about giving out the bolos. So, yeah, just kind of that that shift yes. as far and as I- what you're doing. Yes. And I learned. So what I ended up having to do was I was like, well, if I want to continue this YouTube channel, I can't continue to share these kind of items. I can't sell these kind of items because not only was I sharing it and putting myself out of business, but my eBay store was public. So even if I wasn't talking about Uh, it, hmm. people could go to my eBay store and see what I was selling and probably deduce where I got it. Right. And undercut me. Mm. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even that I think people, and I almost know that people weren't undercutting me to be malicious and mean. It was just people trying to learn and then maybe going out and buying a whole bunch of it and then lowering their price because they couldn't sell it because there was so much competition because maybe they didn't understand the logistics of how that worked either. Mm. Like they didn't understand, oh, that's on YouTube. I'm going to go buy 50 and expect to sell them all, not realizing that there's hundreds or thousands of other people doing that exact same thing. Because here's also another tip. If you see a bolo on the internet, it ain't a bolo no more. 100%. So just take that. If you learn anything, take that. If you see a bolo public, it's not really a bolo. Not at all. So I have a a selfish question because I've always wondered about couponers. Like I've never understood the world of couponing. And you're the first person that we've had on here that may have some experience on it. So the question I have is, okay, so I understand like wanting a coupon, like get those deals. But when I ever see couponers like on social media, it's always like they have a closet full of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, wh- so what is the drive? Like, what is what is the end game when it comes to couponing? Well, I mean, realistically, there is no end game. I think that having the stockpile that you see, I think it's almost the equivalent to the high that we get as resellers, finding something okay. cheap and flipping it for profit. Mm. It's kind of the same thing. Like, like, uh, for instance, this deodorant, like if, if I told you this was an $8 deodorant, but you could get it for 99 cents. You might try to buy all you could Mm. because that's a heck of a deal, right? That's, you know, a huge percentage off and it's kind of, it's a rush. Mm. It's a rush. And I think that's probably why I was an extreme couponer because I'm a reseller and I get that rush from Mm. selling things and making a profit. It's the same kind of thing or getting things for free or almost nothing. Like if you can get cans of your favorite soup for 25 cents a can, why wouldn't you buy all that you could, you know? And that's kind of, I think where it comes from. It's, I think we're wired differently. So what happens with all that stuff? Does well, it just, well, that, that actually just made me think, cause I, it wasn't until you said that, that it, it clicked for me. I've been to a couple of garage sales where I feel like I'm like in the home goods section of like an Albertsons or a Stater Brothers or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever grocery store. And I'm like, where did, what is all this stuff? And they've got racks and racks and they're selling it. Uh, they're, they're couponing that, that I'm sure yeah. that's what it is. It just clicked. Yep. Okay. Unless you come to my garage sale and then in which case it's, it's liquidation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. People ask me all the time, do you coupon? I'm like, nope, not anymore. <laughs> nice. it, 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 it is interesting though because i've seen on social like all these couponers now were like you guys laughed at us but now during the pandemic everybody's coming to us mm, yep <laughs> right because everybody's laughing at the people that used to have walls of toilet paper <laughs> it's not such... so funny now yeah <laughs> we got all the all the stuff all the paper goods yeah. yeah everything all right so now that okay so you shift models right in, in reselling mm-hmm. and now you did do the thrifting for a little bit. How was that for you? Yeah, so it was okay. So yeah, like like <laughs> I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> well, so like I said, I had to completely shift gears and I had to switch to something that could still make money. And so I I I like to think I'm good at pivoting. I real like I feel like I can pivot. Like if I need to pivot, I will pivot. And I don't mind pivoting because I am a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I honestly think all entrepreneurs are problem solvers. We have to be. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> back way back in the day, way back in the day, when I first started selling on eBay back, you know, 14 years ago now, I got started buying two trash bags of clothing. And something that I remembered was that the jeans sold better than anything. Like it was really hard to sell the shirts. It was even hard to sell the shoes, which I still don't like shoes, by the way. (laughs) Don't like shoes. Um, But the jeans were really easy. And I remember fitting them in flat rate envelopes 14 years ago and saving on shipping. I think at the time, flat rate envelopes were only $4.95. But I remember jeans. And around here in the Midwest, jeans, we got jeans. We have Levi's. We have like all the, the really nice brands of jeans, the country, like the country folk like to wear jeans. And so there's an abundance of jeans and my thrifts are cheap for clothing. And so I immediately switched to jeans. 
Um, I was trying to think of something that was systematic. It was easy to list. I enjoyed listing. There wasn't a whole lot of keywords you needed to know. Um, like it felt to me like jeans were very basic and I knew that they would sell for me and the history that I had jeans sold better than any other article of clothing. And I knew it was going to have to be clothing for me because hard goods were almost non-existent at my thrifts. Like I said, there's like nowhere around here, but there was plenty of jeans. And so I started getting jeans, I would buy them 50% off. So I'd only pay $2 a pair. And so if you can buy them at $2 a pair, and flip them for 10 or 15 plus shipping. I mean, hey, that's that's a winner to me, especially when you can list them really quick, which to me, I had like a system down. I could list jeans really fast. So I did jeans for a couple of years and a, a few people dubbed me the jean queen, but because that's all I did was jeans. I knew jeans. Like I, I could tell you what jeans would sell and make money and what jeans wouldn't, but... Oh, the markets shift and the wonderful world of YouTube. I'm selling jeans. So then everybody starts selling jeans. Yeah. And now there is, I do believe that there is room for everybody, but the, the market prices started to go down. The amount of profit that I was able to get was starting to shrink for every single pair. And when you're selling unique one of a kind items, as I'm sure, you know, you can only list so much Mm -hmm. in a week. You can't like, if you can list a hundred things in a week, if your profit margins start to go down, you can't list more Mm -hmm. to compensate for that loss. If you can only list a hundred things, you can only list a hundred things. So if your profit shrinks and you can't list anymore, then your money just keeps going down. And so I started realizing I've got to shift again. And so towards the end of 2018, I was really not enjoying reselling very much. I'm being real. I was not liking listing. There was almost six whole months where I didn't even really list anything. Mm. I was just selling stuff. I just, I was over it. I was over listing jeans. I was over it because I don't really like clothing a whole lot. Back when I had first started I liked retail arbitrage. I liked health and beauty. That is what I enjoyed doing. And I only quit because of the little hiccup I ran into. So I started considering liquidation. I hadn't done liquidation up until that point because I knew that it was pretty risky and I didn't really have the capital to risk. But it's almost like, and this is what I always try to tell people, you almost have to work in stages. You can't just start reselling and then just hit the ground running and be killing it. That's not how it works. I feel like my entire reselling career has led me to the point where I am now. Like I would not have been able to drop five grand on pallets four years ago. There's no way. It's like I started, I started here. I got kind of a taste for what it was like selling health and beauty. And then I switched and then I was able to sell some stuff, get some more experience on the platform, make some money, get some more capital. And then I finally reached the point where I had a chunk of capital to start playing around with and trying liquidation. And then it just kept snowballing and kept snowballing to the point where now I am able to buy pallets of liquidation and list them. And sell them, and they're doing pretty well. <laughs> nice, yeah, we see that. So, 
Now, before we get too much into the details, I, I just want to ask you about your model of, of reselling. So are you a multi-platform? Is it Amazon, eBay? Why or why not? And are you fast nickel, slow dime? Is that too many questions at once? We can break them down. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, we got it. I okay. got it. I know I you do. It. You're a sharp one. <laughs> so when it comes to platforms, I'm primarily eBay right now. Um, a little over a year ago, I did start dabbling in Amazon. Um, but as you probably know from selling on Amazon, health and beauty is a really tough space. There is a lot of restriction. Uh, there's a lot of gating issues. And in order to try to get over that, you have to have distributor invoices. And liquidation don't do that. <laughs> so, and there's also there's the side of liquidation where things don't look as pretty. And so it's almost like with Amazon, things have to look a certain way. They have to be nice and clean and pristine and there can't be any dings or, you know, so I did a little bit of liquidation on Amazon and ran into some issues with some customer dissatisfaction. So I very quickly like, and I started just putting it all on eBay. I was like, you know, because honestly, it's really hard for me to juggle multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. I've done it. I don't like to do it. I would prefer to just have a primary and then dabble in the other ones if I can, but I can't do like 50, 50 or 50, 20, 30. I can't do that. It's, mm -hmm. I have, I only have so much time. I can't be ninny picking around with all these little irons everywhere. I just can't do it. And so I started just putting stuff on eBay and stuff just sells so fast on eBay. I'm like, hmm. okay, well, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm just, we're good. Plus profit margins really slim on Amazon. I didn't like that. Um, I felt like, so when I was really pushing hard at retail arbitrage, I was finding that the big numbers were there, but the profits were the same as eBay without having to push as hard. So, and like there was an instance where my husband hurt his back really bad, helping me carry heavy Amazon boxes. And so I'm just kind of like, you know what? You know what? I'm just, if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like eBay has always been my baby. There are some things about Amazon I personally don't like. I don't like how, for one, I don't like how sellers are really just a number. Third-party sellers are just... Amazon find another one just like you. They'll just, you know, they don't care. They'll, just, they'll find another one if they don't like you. But, you know, when I call eBay, I feel like they care. And sales are good. My profit margins are good. Sales are good. So I just choose to stick with eBay because I like feeling comfortable. I didn't ever feel comfortable with Amazon. Honestly and truly, and this is real talk, and I'm thinking I might have to like have a real talk with my viewers about this too, but <laughs> I am not someone who gets panic attacks. Mm. Like that doesn't happen, but it happened doing Amazon. Mm. Every time I would get an email from Amazon, I would feel the heart palpitations because like, Oh, is it an IP complaint? Mm. <laughs> like it's it. And it's just, it was, it's not for me yeah. that whole, like all the stress is just not for me. So it just seems so glamorous online. It, it you does. Know I mean? and, it's, and I I always wonder, yes. and I think there's, there, I know personal people that do kill out on Amazon, but I, I think it's, it's a huge learning curve in comparison to eBay, yes. especially if we want to scale. 
Oh my goodness. So I'll occasionally do coaching calls for people and they will ask me about starting on Amazon and they're brand new to eBay. And I'm just like, just rein it in, get good at eBay. If, if you've barely done eBay, Amazon should be the least, (laughs) they should be, it should be the back of your mind. Like no eBay first before you get into Amazon. That's just that's a whole other monster. It's just, it's very stressful. It's just, I just, I just didn't like it. It was fun in the beginning. Don't get me wrong. It was fun in the beginning. But then when you start getting more into it, at least this was my experience. When you start getting more into it, you start dealing with customer dissatisfaction. You start getting IP complaints over stupid stuff. You start having to deal with, you send an item into FBA and then they have it in their warehouse. And then suddenly you're not allowed to sell it anymore. Yeah. Or you send something in and then suddenly the price drops 60% and you'd be lucky to even get your money back. Like, that's not for me. My favorite was the pesticide one. Did you did you send in stuff that you got banned because you didn't have pesticide training? No. <laughs> no so that was, that was uh, about a year ago. And they did this whole like, and it was like shoes. So I had shoes and apparel it had certain material on it. And since it did, I had to do pesticide training or else I would be gated. And so I had to sit through like a 10 hour online course learning about pesticides. So, hey, I'm proficient in, in how pesticides are dangerous. But so if yeah. I get ants over at my place, I'll call there you, you go over. Uh, there. But I, I get what you're saying. Lynn. And I've, I've watched your uh. YouTube because I appreciate how real you are about it, because I just feel that, you know, you do get sucked into Amazon because you look at the numbers Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's always cool when you can walk out of a Target with like three cards like, yeah, look yeah. at all this profit I'm going to make. But then when the tanks, you're like, oh, OK, yeah. this right. ain't cool no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's just because I I like to do things that make me happy. And Amazon was just not making me happy mm-hmm. at all. It and In fact, it gave me panic attacks like just. Yeah. Nope. And your health is most important. So, you know, you got to you got to put yeah. profit a- aside, especially exactly. if it's not even great profit. <laughs> Smaller margins profit. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. now with not selling on Amazon, being that you do liquidation pallets, are you getting some of these? Are these some like Amazon returns? Like how what are your liquidation pallets look like? Where are you? Like, how I does will that get work? some. I will get some Amazon returns. Um, and I know exactly, this is funny because I know they're Amazon returns. Mm. I'll see, I'll see the stickers. I'll see some bags. I'll be like, yeah, it's from Amazon. But I have unfortunately gotten um, some inauthentic items from Amazon. Ooh, really? Um, yeah. And so now I am super leery of getting anything that's a little bit on the, like, well, I can't say the expensive side because one of the things that was a fake was a hydro flask and that's you know i mean it's it's not a cheap water bottle but it's not like a high ticket you know that's weird when i think of counterfeit i think like louis vuitton or i think Gucci. no it was was a hydro flask (laughs) water bottle and i'm just lucky it was actually my assistant that bought it from me oh wow she i told her that i had one or that had i had gotten one and she was like, oh my gosh, can I buy it from you for 20 bucks? And so she bought it from me and she took it home and she messaged me a day later and she says, what are the chances you would get a fake? <laughs> and I was like, is it fake? And she has like all of her kids have, or I say all, she has two kids, 
Her kids each have one and her husband has one. And the one that I gave her was completely different. Oh, wow. Like, well, not complete, but there was like the little things you could see. You yeah. could see the differences. Mm. So now if I get anything like that and it's an Amazon return, I am very, very concerned mm. because I don't know if it's like, I thought the Hydro Flask looked fine, but then comparing it to a real one that was mm. bought from an authorized dealer, it's, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is different. This well, isn't the same. And it makes sense if it's a return because, you know, I mean, we've heard the horror stories of people. You send something to a customer, they claim it's fake and they send it back or there's something wrong with it. And they send mm-hmm. you back a fake, right? Like you sent them yeah. real shoes and they send you back fakes, right? And then it's really difficult to say. So it would make sense that people would potentially do that even with Amazon items. And if you're the one buying those returns, yeah, you're picking up their their scam, you know, exactly. and you, were, you weren't even in the loop at all. And that's. Yeah, I yeah, know. I'm just an innocent bystander <laughs> having a fake hydro flask. What was. Hold on. There was a second part to Orlando's question. Oh, fast nickel or slow dime. Oh, fast nickel. Mm. I have way, I have way too much stuff coming in. I can't be storing it all. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Hmm. So when you say fast nickel, and I've seen this, some of the stuff you're selling, obviously you don't share everything, but uh, I'm intrigued because, you know, seeing your journey is great because I think we all got to pivot. I mean, I I think as resellers, if you're not pivoting, you're not going to make it as a reseller. And Mm -hmm. I'm still selling the tried and true. And I don't know why, but it's still happening for me. I pivoted a little bit. I haven't had to pivot much, but I have, I've done a little bit more fast nickel. Now, when you say fast nickel, are you saying like you are pricing it like at the medium price like competitively with everyone are you saying you are you're you're willing to take you know 
really quick sales. Like what, what do you mean by fast nickel? So typically for me, so most of the stuff that I sell is in the health and beauty space, okay. right? It's all like personal care, health supplements, all of that kind of stuff. Um, when I originally price my items, I will price it like I will double check and see what the lowest comps are. And then I will try to price somewhere around 10 or 15% above um, because I do frequently run sales and I do also accept offers. Um, but I am not above taking a reasonable offer. I will, if there's a, if there's a reasonable offer that comes in, I will almost always take it. If it is going to give me my money back and give me maybe if, if I could double my money on it, we'll say that, or no, maybe more than that. Cause my, cause I, I, you, my cost of goods is rarely over like a dollar 80. So if I say, so, so if I say double my money, that means I'm making a profit of a dollar 80. I, I try to get more than that. So maybe if I can get like three X my money, Mm. twice the profit, um, then I'll go ahead and accept it. Um, but I am not one of those stingy people that's like, no, it must be 50 cents below my asking. I won't take any offers less than that. No, I'd rather give me the money, get the stuff out because I really do get, I don't just source 20 items at once. I get pallets of thousands of items Mm. and I don't just buy one pallet and sit around for a few months. I buy pallets at least once a month, if not more. So I have to turn it. I don't have the space. I just don't have the space to hang on to it. So there might be some instances where if something is maybe about ready to expire um, or cause I do supplements. So things that have expiration dates, sometimes if something is about ready to expire, I might go ahead and take an offer that just gets me my money back. Because mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't buy it, then I'm going to be, I'm just gonna have to throw it away because mm-hmm. I can't sell it because it's expired. So in those cases, I might go ahead and just take enough to get my money back. And then I also really like taking offers because I do feel like it kind of triggers a little something in your mm-hmm. store. When you take an offer, you know, the whole conspiracy theory thing, I believe it. Um, So, you know, I am a big believer in offers and I will take offers if it's not going to put me in the hole. Uh, But. And really, I mean, there's no reason for me to wait for the slow dime. Mm. I mean, really, because I'm selling personal care and health and beauty it's not so, like somebody's like I've, I've looked for this deodorant for two years yeah, exactly. and you I, have I've it been waiting for this coconut pineapple schmitz deodorant <sighs> i've been waiting for two years to find it on ebay no it's just i mean they come and they buy it and i mean and these are items like i can't i mean this it's it's worth 12 dollars. Mm. so it's not like I can price it at 15 and cross my fingers and wait for the perfect buyer that's going to come pay $15 for it because it's a stick of deodorant that's worth $12. So, you know, I, so I think that kind of in the space I am, slow dime is kind of not even a thing. Now, do you put, <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> so do you put uh, a best offer on there or is it just, this is the price? Oh, best offer. Oh, you yeah. do. Are you you're so yeah. you're willing to now how often would you say you counter offer then? 
Oh, I always counter. Never decline. Really? Oh, no, no. Never I mean, what I mean is decline. how often do you just accept and not counter offer? So like, for- oh, it, it depends. It depends on how reasonable it is. Like I get, I get offers for dollar free shipping all the time. So, I mean, of course I'm going to counter, but I would say nine out of every 10 offers I get, I accept. So 30% of the time I counter most of the time, the offers that I get are pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I, I suspect that the reason for that is because the things see also, I don't even really get a lot of offers. Most of my sales are people just buying it because like this deodorant, someone wants their flipping deodorant. Like they're not going to pussyfoot around and be like, will you take $2? Mm-hmm. They want their deodorant. And if I have it priced competitively and reasonably, which I always do, they don't have a reason to try to send me offers. Now, if I have a $12 stick of deodorant listed for $20, then yeah, they're probably going to send me an offer and be like, why do you want $20 for this $12 mm-hmm. stick of deodorant? Will you take 10 bucks? You know? And you know, yeah, I would, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of watch all these offers come in now into, into Lindy's story. <laughs> Which, let's see, do I have any offer? No, I don't have any offer. Darn, I was hoping I was going to have an offer. Be like, look, here's an example. But no, it was a YouTube notification. Mm. Um, so the, the offers kind of, I have it on there, but it's not like a huge amount of my sales come from offers. Most people are looking for their favorite color of lipstick or they want their deodorant or they're needing to get that sp- that specialty brand of shampoo that they can't get at the salon right now because the salons are closed. Mm. And so they just go to the store or my eBay store and they just buy it. They're not, you know, messing around with, with sending the offers, but I do have offers on all my listings. Yes. Interesting. Now two quick questions. Um, I'll try and separate these. So, um, so the first one, (laughs) okay. So thousand items on a pallet, you're picking that up per month. Are you, like taking pictures and listing all thousand of these items or do you have somebody helping you? Like, what does that look like? So I do have an assistant. She helps me do two things. She helps me sort all of the pallets um, and group things together. So that helps speed me up a lot because with her, I can do, we timed the last one. It was about 1500 items. Um, With her help, we were able to successfully break down two pallets containing 1500 items we were able to break down two whole pallets, organize everything, group everything, separate what needed to be separated, give her the stuff that she was going to be listing. We were able to do all of that in three hours. Wow. Pretty so we move very quick, just <laughs> yeah. the two of us. And so she will help me start the drafts. Basically what she does for me is she takes the bins of the newly brought in merchandise. She takes them to her house. And then over the course of a week or two, she just kind of leisurely gets the drafts going. She does the price research for me. She checks the comps and then she piggybacks off of a uh, sold listing. She edits the title the way she knows I like it. She does the description the way she kno- that she knows I like it. She, <laughs> she fills in all of the item specifics that may need to be filled in checks expiration dates, and then she saves it for me. And then she'll do, you know, 100, 150 at a time. And then when we swap, I give her new stuff and she gives me the stuff that she's done with. Beyond that, I will take the stuff that she's drafted for me and I will basically take items one at a time, open the listing, double check her work, save it, snap pictures, load them and send the listing live. 
So that's kind of how the whole process works. Now, when you hear a thousand items on a pallet, that's really intimidating, right? Like Mm. a thousand items. But the beauty of it is a lot of them are multiples. Nice. So when she and I are doing things like grouping, we've got eight of these, we've got 10 of these, we've got three of these. Mm. And so suddenly a thousand items really is only 600 listings. But even that sounds intimidating, right? However, not everything goes online. Mm. So in the health and beauty space in liquidation, not everything is good for online. There might be something that's super heavy. It makes zero sense to list it because like if it's, if it's a huge tub of like hair uh, gel, suave, yeah, hair gel, well, some hair gel is worth good money, mm. but like suave, suave body lotion. Like mm. you could buy a huge thing of suave body lotion for $3 at Walmart. So the value of the lotion is $3. And if it weighs over a pound and you have to stick it in a flat rate envelope, it's going to cost almost eight bucks to ship it. Then a $3 bottle is now an $11 bottle without even making any profit. So there is no point in putting it online unless it's something that's discontinued. Mm. If it's a discontinued bottle of swab lotion, then maybe, but nobody is going to pay that kind of shipping for an item that is not worth that much. So those kind of items I will sell locally, which I have a client list that I have built over the course of the last year and a half so uh, from yes, from connections that I've made with people on Facebook Marketplace. So I will have pop-up sales. I will sell things uh, in lots on Facebook Marketplace. Like if I have like a whole bunch of the suave lotions or whatever, I'll sell a box of them on Facebook Marketplace. And then when those people pick them up, I'm like, hey, just so you know, I get this kind of stuff in all the time. Hit me up on on uh, Messenger if if you are interested in buying anything else. And so I have just this list of people that are always looking for shampoo, lotion, toothpaste, just everything and anything. So on these palettes, if I get things that are maybe a little damaged or maybe something has leaked and it's not completely full... I just set those aside and keep them in my garage. And then I have pop-up sales for these local clients that I've formed a list of. I just contact them once a month and they come over and they just buy it all. Nice. And so now a thousand piece palette is now really only a few hundred listings Mm. because there's multiple quantities. A whole bunch of it is going to be for local people. So then suddenly a thousand piece palette, I can move in two weeks. Right. Wow. I want to talk more palettes, but I want to ask you, I want to, I want to <laughs> go aside a little bit. So talk to us about work-life balance. Does that exist? And if it does, how? The only way it exists is if you can completely separate it and shut a door. Mm, okay. That is the only way. Like it's, it's super tough. I don't know if I believe in work-life balance. I believe in boundaries. Um, I mean, there was a really long time, like when I was first starting to grow my eBay store, I spent a lot of nights working really late and that was not conducive to the relationship with my husband. Mm. Uh, he didn't like it. <laughs> so there was like some rules and boundaries that had to be set. And so I really found myself having to create a block scheduling system for myself, work hours and doing all of that because I don't know if there is such thing as a balance. I think that it comes to the point where you just have to have everything as separate as you can, which is really hard when you work from home because 
Like right now I've got inventory all over my house. Like there's some in here. There's some in the garage. It's in the basement. It's on the main floor. Like we sat and ate dinner and I could look over and see a <laughs> bin of makeup that needs to be sorted. Like it's everywhere. And it's, it's really tough. But if you can figure out a way to put it all behind a door and close the door and walk away at the end of the day, I think only then will there actually be some sort of a balance. That is tough. It's good. I appreciate you being real. So it's un- <laughs> no, I, I mean, I have the same issue. I mean, today, all I had was a Yeti microphone on the dinner table. So that, that that's from the Zoom call. But so it's gotten better. I will say the pandemic has had me clear out a lot. I mean, I'm getting half of my, uh, I would say 80% of my place is cleared of inventory now, but you know, we'll get there. So my, my question then, all right, so you get these pallets. Now, what, how has the pandemic, we'll get back to the pallet talk, but I want to talk about the, the pandemic, not the pandemic itself, but how did pen, how did you first deal with it? Like, what were your initial thoughts? I don't know if you were like the same, like, you know, I thought like we're done. <laughs> like I, that's what I thought for a couple of days. And then things just took off and I, I, and they haven't stopped. How has it, how did it affect your business personally? Personally, did you have to pivot or do you feel like you were at the right place at the right time with what you were doing? Right place, right time, hands down. Like it, it didn't, um, I didn't have to pivot anything. If anything, I had to start working harder because I realized that I had things that people wanted and I needed to hurry up and get it listed while they wanted it. Like I had, so I mentioned that I hit $10,000 in sales last month, which was a huge milestone for me. Well, in March, I hit $8,000 in sales, which was the highest that I had ever done up to that point. So March was my biggest month. And then April was even bigger than that. And that's when the pandemic hit was March. It was, it was really weird because at the very beginning, like when people were starting to self quarantine, everyone's starting to be like, what's happening here? Sales took a nosedive Mm -hmm. and you could just tell that people were scared. People weren't shopping. People were busy following the news. People were wondering what was going to happen with their money and all of that. But then suddenly it started to just sales started to increase. And of course I felt like I was in the right place at the right time because the things that people were buying, people were buying things that they would have normally, you know, bought at the grocery store when they went to do their grocery shopping, they were buying things like acne facial scrub and, they, the big one was, oh, I sold like $4,000 worth of hair color, Mm. you know, and, and I just floored, like there was this root touch-up spray that I had gotten on a palette. I had like 20 of each color. And it was one of those things that I had listed and I would sell like one of each color a week. Like it was just, oh, sold another root touch-up, you know, there's another one. And then I sold 40 in one day uh-huh. nice. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? Find all the hair color, find all the hair color. And I was listing like a mad woman. And coincidentally, I didn't like, I had to do it all myself because yes, I said, I have an assistant, but I told her to stay home. Yeah, I'm like, you're done. Like, so the entire month of March and the entire month of April, I was completely 100% on my own, listing things by myself, sorting things by myself, shipping by myself. And I wore myself out, I think, but I hit some pretty good sales goals. Um, But yeah, it, 
nothing changed for me except I worked harder because I saw opportunity. Mm. There was a big opportunity and there was just so many things that people were looking to buy that I knew I had sitting in my garage and it was the opportunity to sell it quickly rather than at the rate it would have sold had this whole thing not happened. Um, but then at the same time, there's also that adjustment that needs to be made with, you know, kids being home. And there was a level of uncertainty because yes, I am a reseller and I do all of this stuff, but my husband also works. And Mm. so there was like this, uh, we were scared. Like, is he going to lose his job? If he loses his job, am I going to be able to support us financially? Like what's going to happen? And so like we were dealing with a lot of the same kind of fears that a lot of people were dealing with. And so I was, I definitely had a feeling, a sense of just, man, I'm glad I picked this category. (laughs) Like, Ooh, okay. But now, now that I've said I've had the, you know, big March, big April, now my inventory is like really low. Yeah. And I'm, and I've, burned myself out. And so now my sales are back taking a nosedive because I've sold so much stuff and I haven't been able to list. Now I do, I my assistant is coming tomorrow to pick up a new batch. So hopefully I can start getting some new, new mm. stuff listed. But yeah, now that's kind of like the blessing and the curse is that now my store is getting wiped clean and now I have to fill it up again. Yep. And now there, there is a little bit of a sourcing issue, mm. uh, a little bit. Uh, I mean, there, what you can share. <laughs> yeah, there, um, there's a lot of people trying liquidation now because mm. they can't go to the thrifts. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the regular suppliers that I use, their prices have gone up. Really? It's fun. Yeah. I don't know how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. The prices start going up. Yeah. It's like, you know, the people need it and they can make more money off of it. You know, it's capitalism, I guess. But yeah, like there is. So bulk is B-U-L-Q. Bulk is one of the best known liquidation companies out there. And I do a lot of unboxings on my channel of them because I always like to promote companies like bulk because it's almost the safe bet for anyone wanting to get started with liquidation because... Mm. Everything is completely manifested. The prices are pretty good per lot. Like I I can get cheaper per unit elsewhere, but with bulk, I know exactly what I'm getting. Like mm-hmm. most of my other sources, it's all unmanifested. It's a surprise. Yeah. You know, I open the box and that's what it is. But with bulk, I can pick based on what I see on the manifest. And then if you buy brand new as opposed to customer returns, there is a little bit of a security blanket, if you will, because if you, if they say it's brand new and stuff is used or stuff is broken or damaged, they, and you contact them and give them like the LP numbers from the manifest, you send them pictures, um, they will compensate you. And, Mm -hmm. and so there is like that level of protection, but because people know that everybody's buying from bulk, which a lot of people were buying from bulk before, but I have personally seen people trying bulk for the very first time because they can't go out and source. They're like, well, maybe I'll try liquidation because I can't go to garage sales or I can't 
go to the bins. I'll try liquidation because I need stuff to list. And so now it used to be that I would watch some lots on bulk and then I'd kind of watch the price drops because, you know, I didn't really like the price. I'd wait. But now if you don't buy a lot at full price, you won't get one. Mm -hmm. Like they just, they they sell so quick. And so there's that kind of issue. So what is the average Um, selling price? Like what, what should people plan? Like, let's say (laughs) not we're trying to get you more competition, but let's (laughs) say there wasn't, what, what are the price points that people should expect? Oh, it depends on the category. Okay. Um, but realistically, somewhere between twelve and fifteen dollars. Like you can't you can't buy liquidation and expect you're gonna get a whole bunch of forty or fifty dollar items. Is it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. That's another reason um why I do the fast nickel because I expect that I just need to get the capital back because I need to turn it again. I need to keep turning it because the dollar amounts are not sufficient enough to warrant it sitting around. Right. It's just, it's just, just give me the stuff. Like just, no, but just what, turn I meant, it. what I meant, was it like 5k? Should people have like 10k? He's asking about purchase, oh, purchase capital. price. To start it. To, yeah. Oh, to buy. to buy. Oh, so are we talking? No, that was a good, that was, I'm glad you answered that too. That was good. <laughs> No, th- th- I was going to ask that anyways. Sell, you did say sell price. I know, so. I know. I was thinking selling I price know, of okay. the lots. Okay, so are we talking like box lots yeah, per- or pallets? Well, I don't know. What's the difference? Well, a box lot is a box. Yeah, I know. Like well, I'm, I'm asking this for our audience. <laughs> like, I'm trying to be a good interviewer here. So, all right. Okay, Thank you, Lindsay. Well, if, so- <laughs> if someone is getting started with liquidation, you can buy box lots for as little as one, two, three hundred dollars. Uh pallets, the big thing with pallets is you have to factor in shipping. So because it's freight. So if you were to go to a site like Bulk or Wholesale Ninjas, which I promote all the time, Wholesale Ninjas is currently my favorite to to promote because they have a lot of health and beauty right now and they did not mark up all their stuff. Um, so like wholesale ninjas does box lots. Uh, the boxes are cheaper to ship than pallets are obviously because pallets need freight. You have to have a truck deliver it that has a lift gate unless you have a warehouse with a forklift. So the cheapest I've ever seen a pallet get shipped was a little over $200 just for the shipping of one pallet. So you would probably, I can't see getting a good pallet for less than a thousand dollars shipped shipped. So if you want to get a pallet, you're probably gonna have to spend about a thousand dollars and that's not even really getting a super good one. Like mm. it would be fair. That'd be fair. Um, but yeah, box lots, you could start with a couple hundred bucks. Then they also, there's lots of places that have box lots all the way up to $2,000. Mm. Like it just depends on the kind of merchandise you're buying. So mm. And of course, it is the kind of situation where you get what you pay for. Yeah. Like if if you want to source cheap, you're going to get lower quality items for that cheap dollar amount versus if you pay a little bit more, you're going to get higher ticket items. Nice. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I'm assuming that um, as as this, you know, pandemic quarantine stuff starts to work its way out, uh, people are going to get back to their normal. And I'm sure what you do is a lot more challenging than a lot of people think it is. We're like, I'm just going to get a pallet, right? So there's going to be a lot of your competition that's driving those prices up that's going to go away, I'm sure, in the next few months. That being said, being optimistic that that's going to happen, um, what are some pieces of advice that you'd give to somebody who's new to reselling pallets that they want to get into maybe some liquidation? What are some maybe big, like one or two like tips or strategies that you have that they should be thinking about? Um, you know, let's say me, I've never done a pallet before. Like what should I be thinking about? So I think the biggest challenge with pallets is having realistic <clears> expectations. <throat> Um, because when, when I talk about buying a pallet, I'm talking about liquidation. And so I'm talking about liquidation more than like, you can buy a pallet of wholesale direct from distributor. Mm -hmm. Everything is pristine in a pretty box. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, you almost can't go wrong with that. But most people, I think with the idea of buying a pallet is you're buying liquidation. And so I think that a mistake that people make is having unrealistic expectations. Doing liquidation is not like flipping something from the thrift. Mm. At the thrift, you can buy something for five bucks and sell it for 50, 60, $100. Mm -hmm. When you are buying liquidation, it is realistic to expect 50% back on your money. So if you spend a thousand, expect to get 1500 back, $500 profit. Sometimes it's a lot more, sometimes it's a little bit less, but it's that realistic expectation. You're not going to spend a thousand dollars and make 10 grand. Right. It's very unlikely. If you can find a supplier with the right kind of merchandise, for instance, there is a liquidation company that is about an hour away from me. They sell Amazon pallets. I've bought some from them. They sell them to me for right around eight or nine hundred dollars for. 1,000, 1,200 high count loads. Mm. So less than a dollar per unit. So that's a lot of stuff. And there might be something in there that's worth $500 because mm. it came from Amazon. So there's always the chance that something like that could happen. But realistic expectation, I spend $1,000, I expect to get 1,500 back. More than that, I'm happy. Mm. I would just rather not lose money. And right. that that's the big thing. You can't expect to make all this money. You liquidation, you have to spend money to make money. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's the nature of it. And you're kind of paying for the ability to not have to market an item like you, like this deodorant. I keep going back to the, to the deodorant. You don't have to pay to market this. Like people that use Schmitz, they're going to look for Schmitz. Mm -hmm. And so this might cost you a dollar and then you might make a $2 profit on. That's what you can expect. So it's, it's about having the privilege of selling an item that is already, the buyers are already looking for it. Uh, so you just have to be realistic about your, your margins. And then the other big thing is trash and broken items are to be expected. Uh, there is many, many, many times I will get emails from people. I will get comments on videos. I will get DMs of people that will buy a lot from bulk or via trading is another one I always talk about or wholesale ninjas. And they will say how disappointed they are that they had dented boxes or something was opened or the seal was broken or they put an empty box in here. And I'm just kind of like, yeah. And <laughs> you know, that's, 
that is normal. Like mm. I will get a pallet of merchandise. There will be leaky shampoo bottles all over the place. There was one time I had an entire tub of facial wax had unscrewed and I had facial wax just all over like a quarter of the pallet. Oh, I was so mad. <sighs> it leaked all the way down to my I think garage you're still floor. Mad. Oh. I'm so- <laughs> It dripped to the floor of my garage. And every time I stepped on it, my shoe would get stuck to the floor. Like it's just so, but it's, that is normal. And of Mm. course that's health and beauty. You get leaks and stuff. But if you're doing something like general merchandise, you're going to get junk. Mm -hmm. You're going to get stuff that you're just going to throw away in the trash. I swear I throw away 20% of what I get most of the time because it's broken. I can't be, it can't be used. It's expired. It's damaged. It's eyeliners that have been open. You can't sell that to somebody because mm. it's been open. You don't want to give someone an eye infection. You know, it's it's completely normal. So really, I do believe it's all about realistic expectations with profit. It's about realistic expectations. You're going to get trash. You're, you just, you got to make it work. You got to be resourceful. But there is money in it. And there is a real benefit to the sense of not having to go out and source. So it's, it's a trade-off. I think mm-hmm. everything is a trade-off, really. Um, another big tip that I can give for buying liquidation for the first time is if there is a manifest, trust what's on it, but don't trust what they say it's worth. Mm. So if there's a manifest and they say th- all of this retails for $5,000, might as well cut that in half already. Oh. Say, okay, so it's worth two grand. And then you take that manifest and you cross-reference everything on that manifest with the platform you intend to sell it on. Because if they tell you that this deodorant sells for $25 on Amazon and you look it up on eBay and it sells for $12.99, then you need to plan on it selling for $12.99. You need to not just look at it and go, oh, well, they say it sells for $25 on Amazon. Cool. No. It's you, you have to dissect every single manifest you have, if mm. you have a manifest mm. and if you can buy something that has a manifest, if you are just getting started, highly recommend, <laughs> highly recommend buying something that has a manifest attached to it because I have received four pallets that were unmanifested that were all just garbage. I didn't even make my money back on him. And if I was a brand new seller of liquidation, that would have been horrid Mm. to just, well, there's a thousand dollars gone. What am I going to do now? That was all my capital. Like Mm. that would be horrible. So if you're just getting started with liquidation, stick with new quality if you can, because if it's customer returns, it's going to be risky. Mm. If it has a manifest, try to get one with a manifest. And then if it does have a manifest, dissect it and cross-reference it on the platform you intend to sell it on to make sure that you will actually be able to make money. So I, I, I'm a fan of treasure, like, in, you know, finding the random stuff. So I, I always wonder about, you know, is there any advantage to getting something that's not, does not have a manifest? Like, oh, yeah, it, absolutely. Okay. Explain. <laughs> so... For instance, I got a palette of health and beauty. It was a, it was a big Gaylord, which if you don't know what that is, a Gaylord means giant box. It's a (laughs) giant box that sits on the palette. It's a huge four foot by four foot box. And it was filled with beauty. 
and I'm digging through, I'm digging through, I'm digging through, and I see this white box. It's like just this long white box, no markings on it at all. And so I pick it up and I flip it over and it's an Apple watch. Oh, nice. (laughs) Nice. I was like, this is an Apple. Open up. Surprise. Brand new. Brand new. new So how does that happen though, Lindy? I'm always, I'm wondering, okay, so they don't sort this stuff. Like I always wonder because we also have, they do, they do sort it, but they're just so fast. Yeah. So it depends. So it depends on where you bought. You've been, you've been in the headquarters, right? Like I've seen, I thought, yes. And that's where this palette came from. Actually, it came from via trading. So I've actually seen their sorting process. So when I saw that Apple watch, I knew why, because they screwed up (laughs) because the box so the palette that I got was health and beauty, which also includes accessories. Mm. And so my guess is when they had the conveyor belt going and they were sorting, the Apple Watch side was face down and they do it so quick. They're just like, OK, this is this. This is this. And they're just throwing stuff because they so the way via trading does it. And it's like Disneyland there. You guys have you been there? You need to go there. I'd love You've never been. You need no. to go. All right. We're, you we're, need to go. We will soon. It's like <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah. Tell 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 Mike Lindy sent you. All right. And so they have this giant conveyor belt and they have pallets full of brown boxes and they have someone just ripping open the boxes, dumping it on the conveyor belt and it just goes. And they have a whole bunch of people standing over the conveyor belt, just grabbing. And they have giant gay lords behind them. Like one will be household, one will be health and beauty, one will be baby. And they'll just grab and they'll just throw in whatever it is. And so my guess is in the sorting process, they just saw this white box and they just assumed that it was an accessory Mm. and just threw it in the health and beauty when it should have gone with electronics. (laughs) So it was just like a happy coincidence. And I mean, that kind of stuff happens. And then of course I will get pallets direct from sources. And so nobody like the process I just told you about, I'll get it direct from sources where there is no sorting. It's just like target shelf pulls and employees are just throwing stuff in boxes mm. and maybe they throw the wrong thing in there or maybe a box get puts on the pallet that didn't belong there. Like recently, uh, it's not like a great find or anything, but the last pallet that I sorted with my assistant, there was an entire box, a big box full <laughs> of Reese's peanut butter cups nice, and peppermint nougats. And like all of this candy, that's not health and beauty. No, but it'll give you a little bit of energy while you're uh, yeah. while you're listing. So, but like there, there is this element of there is still that treasure hunt. Mm. Like just because you buy liquidation doesn't mean there's no more hunt. You just don't have to go anywhere to get it. It shows up at your house. Mm. And every time I buy it, like right now, I almost don't buy anything manifested. Almost everything I get is unmanifested because that's a. I've done it enough and I found suppliers that I trust enough to know that I will at least make my money back, which is a horrible. Okay. So that's like a horrible way to source like, Oh, I can at least get my money back. But when you do liquidation, sometimes you have to consider that you're like, well, I I spent a hundred dollars. I should be able to make my money back at least, you know, like that's, that's one of the things that happened to me recently with a bulk lot. I actually just posted the video on my YouTube channel not too long ago. 
I bought the lot because there was a razor in it that was worth $200. I paid $100 for the box and it was a customer returns box. And I was like, okay, the razor is not used. It pays for this whole box and everything else is profit. So I'm going to take that risk. And so that was the idea of maybe I'll at least get my money back mm-hmm. if it is used. Like it, it was kind of one of those things. Like we'll take the risk. Like it's it's all about risk. Mm-hmm. And so now in my experience, I can get better prices buying unmanifested because if you buy manifested lots, you're paying for the privilege of knowing what's in it. If you don't know what's in it, then they don't have to take the time to write up a manifest for you so they can give you a better price. So I'd prefer to take the risks and get surprised and pay less per unit. So that's basically what I do now. Nice. Well, that kind of leads into, I mean, that's some some unexpected finds. What have, if you were Wait, to say I like- I have a question though before. Are you wearing an <laughs> Apple Watch at the moment? You know what? I keep it. I kept it. <laughs> I, I thought so. I've I never, I've it. never heard of anyone that has bought an Apple Watch for themselves. Everyone has either <laughs> been gifted one or had a random occurrence like yours. So. I kept it. It's it's upstairs though. I'm not wearing it. I'm not wearing okay, it. There it is. But um, I actually haven't worn it all quarantine. Well, well yeah. I did. <laughs> I did before before quarantine. I wore it, but I haven't. Worn you mean it when you quarantine. went places? Yeah, when I actually went out places or yeah. I would drive and I could look at my, oh, okay, it was a, it was, oh, that was an offer, you know? Yeah, no, I haven't since then, <laughs> you know, it's been sitting on the charger, but uh, yeah, no, I kept it. Nice. Very cool. So, okay. So what, what's been like your number one, like biggest success moment, like a palette or a buy that was like, this is like, this goes down in the hall of fame is like my best moment reselling. And then what's been like, the failure what's been the one that you could tell people the learning like, opportunity yeah, yeah okay learning opportunity or 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 failure okay so the biggest success is was here just recently um i got a palette and again unmanifested no idea what was in it i got these three palettes at the start of quarantine because i i went ahead and sourced ahead of myself because i didn't know if they were going to close down warehouses so i was like i better get the stuff while i can get the stuff and I had no idea it was on these pallets. So I had been dragging my feet sorting them because I didn't have my assistant to help me. And so there was one day towards the end of April, we were all, me, my husband and my littlest son, we were all hanging around outside. My husband was mowing. Benjamin was playing in the driveway. And I was like, I'm going to tear into one of those pallets. Why not? Each pallet had multiple boxes on it. I started cutting open boxes. <laughs> And the, the four boxes I pulled off were filled with brand new, never opened facial trimmers, electric toothbrushes, like brand new $200 rose gold Panasonic toothbrushes. There was there. I, the face trimmers, there was one of those, what's the brand, um, uh, brawn, there was brawn Mm -hmm. pro skin. Series three, series five, series seven. There was all the brand new. At, at the peak of the market. At the peak of That's the awesome. market. That's awesome. I took them all inside, listed them. I did 2,000 in sales in one day. Nice. Sold all of them. <laughs> Amazing. There might still be more. There's still another palette in there I haven't tore into yet. And it came in that same order. So I should probably be smart and go through it. <laughs> That'd be a good call. I've just been so 
tired. Yeah. They're so yeah. tired. But yeah, that's probably the the biggest like success. So I was thinking about that question too. Like, what would I say my success is? Because I get asked that. Like, what's your biggest success? I honestly think that what I am doing overall, like that's like the one instance mm-hmm. I can think of that's that's considered a success, like a win, like the best success I've had to date. Like when I saw those boxes, I'm just like, oh, I could have cried. Yeah. I could have cried. And then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I truly think that everything I'm doing right now feels like such a success. Not mm-hmm. just that, but everything feels like such a success. Like I feel like I could not have made a better decision to transition not only into liquidation, but transition into the category that I chose to transition into because I truly love it so much. I don't mind listing anymore. Mm. Like if I have the time, I will list. I enjoy it. I love going through palettes and seeing these different face creams and seeing, you know, different kinds of perfumes and learning different, you know, things that are on the market in the health and beauty space. Um, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not like really big into beauty. Like my sister, uh, my sister went to cosmetology school, but I like, I don't really, you know, know about a lot of it, but I still like pretty things. I still like the things that smell good. And it's really fun to be like, Oh no, this is opened. I have to keep it now. You know, like, Oh, this perfume that smells so good. It's been used. So I'll just keep it. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's, it's, I love working now. And I feel like that was the best decision that I ever could have made. And I feel like my entire reselling business is so much better because of it. And so it just, it, it feels like everything feels like a success. Every part of it feels like a success. I could not be happier with what I'm doing. Um, and then failures, (laughs) um, it would probably just be bad buys. Mm. Really? Um, you have a really bad, bad buy. Oh, bad, bad buy. I put up the YouTube video. There's, um, and I felt I was, I was trying so hard not to put it up because it's, (laughs) because it's from via trading. Mm. Oh, oh, I remember this. Yeah. And I really like via trading. I really, really like them, but I've gotten some crap from them. But it's not because it's it's not like they purposefully gave me crap. Mm-hmm. It's just when they're sorting, they don't know what's broken. They mm-hmm. don't know what works and doesn't work. They don't know. The people that are sorting don't know the value of stuff. So I got this kitchen palette and I didn't want to post it because I was like visibly disappointed. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hide it. Like I got halfway through the palette and I just stopped filming because I was just so pissed about the whole thing. The only reason why I ended up posting it was because I started getting a lot of people commenting and asking why I always get good stuff. Mm. Because that's what it looks like. Right. When you post YouTube videos like, Lindy, why you must be because you're on YouTube. You get all the good stuff. And I'm like, no, I get crap too. I just don't put it out there. Mm. <laughs> like I just don't show everybody. Um, so I ended up, I went ahead and posted it because I thought it would be a learning experience to be like, Hey, look, this did come from via trading, but I still buy from them. Like, because there's a lot of people that say, I will never buy from bulk again. Cause I got a box of garbage. They ripped me off. I will never buy from them again. 
I have videos where I unbox stuff from bulk. They sent me empty flipping boxes. Mm. Like I get bad stuff from liquidation companies too, but that doesn't mean I stop buying from them. It's not because they're a ripoff. It's because sometimes you get bad stuff. Yeah. It happens. Cost that's, of that's, doing business, right? Yeah. It's cost of doing business. That's what liquidation is. You take risks, risks, rewards, you know, it's, it's what happens. And, oh, so I'm just glad I didn't lose more money. I lost probably $500. It was a kitchen pallet that was full of broken kitchen stuff that really had no resale value. And then almost the entire bottom of it was covered in dollar spot crap, like bunny rabbit wine stoppers from the dollar (laughs) spot. And half of them, they were all like glass or something and they were all half broken the ears were busted off there was like little dollar baskets that you you know like the little baskets that you get at burger joints for uh-huh. your fries and that you put the paper in the little baskets and just hand towels that were a quarter each at mm. the dollar spot like a four pack for a dollar it was all garbage Ugh. i pretty much put almost that entire palette in the trash i'm like i'm not even gonna bother with this you know part of me a lot of the times when i get that kind of stuff i'm like well i'll put it out at a garage sale someone mm. might buy it and i might be able to get something back for it but most of it was just i'm like nobody around here is gonna pay a dime for this just yeah. throw it straight in the trash so failures that's yeah and then of course a failure was sharing too much yeah sharing sharing too much um retail arbitrage that was a big fail that was an epic fail but i can chalk that up to not knowing any better like it i really i really didn't think it would have as crazy of an effect as it but did. you it don't was- know like I- I mean, I'll share real quick when I, and I don't know how long you've been following us, but last Q, not this past Q4, but the other Q4, I would go into off price stores all the time. And all I did was show a keep a chart. I didn't even show like what the Mm. price was. I didn't show, well, I did show like what you could get for it, but that's all. But even the off price stores, you go into a Ross, there's only so many things that Ross has, right? And if you're saying, Hey, I'm picking up toys. They only have to, I mean, somebody has to go out there and hustle, but you get a person that scans 500 items. They find those three or four that you're talking about. They go back to a Bolo group and like, Hey, this is what I found. You're done. And that happened to me like quick. And then when I had other influencers contact me and like, Hey, what are you finding? I'm like, I I, I can't share with anybody. Like I just, Mm -hmm. I just can't because you just don't know. So no, I I appreciate you sharing that because you know, we get flagged for that sometimes. (laughs) That was, I mean, that was another thing that really honestly deterred me from Amazon because most of the stuff I was sending into Amazon was retail arbitrage. Mm. And it was just burn after burn after burn. Like who can get their stuff into FBA fast enough because someone is going to have loose lips and then all the markets are, you know, the market's going to be gone. So it's just, I did not, just not for me. No, not for me. We're good. Do you have your question? Yes. You so, um, this one Orlando never puts on the uh, the paper, so it always throws people I, I off. Keep so, it organic. So, uh, <laughs> please forgive me if this is if you need a moment to think about because this is like the big question, I guess. But anyways, okay. uh, I I always like to ask are are the people we interview have amazing life stories. They've got experiences and we can never c- capture all of it in an interview, right? Like it's impossible to try and really figure out who is Lindy in just, you know, an hour, an hour and 15 minutes of talking to you. Um, so what I like to say is like, if you could tell our listeners or if you had the opportunity to say like 
a, a piece of life advice or some a motto that you live by, something that that our listeners can take away. Like, what's the thing that that like you feel like, or maybe if you could tell, if you knew you could tell somebody like, here, do this in the future, live your life like this. Um, what's your life advice? It's actually no, I'm not going to need as much time as you might think I would. <laughs> Um, Because I learned a lot in 2019 and I tried to carry it over into 2020, but this whole pandemic thing happened Mm. and it's really hard to do. But you have to cut out negativity. Mm. Negativity has got to be gone. Negativity, drama, anything that does not bring value to your life has to be gone. Mm. Gone. If it has nothing to do with you. It's none of your business. If it's not making you happy, get it out of your life. There, there's, there was so much time I feel was spent in my life focusing on all of the wrong things. The minute I started focusing on the things that made me happier, um, And I stopped saying negative things. I only started saying positive things. Like I truly believe that you get back what you put out there. Mm. 100%. I, I think that you get what you speak. And if all you do is speak negatively, then negative negativity is going to follow you all over the place. If you say your sales are slow, your sales are going to stay slow. If you have a pessimistic attitude, then you're going, you're going to get what you expect to get. Whatever you say, you're going to get it. And in 2019, I made it a New Year's resolution to only speak positively, to only have positivity in my life, to only do the things that I enjoy. And I cannot tell you the extreme impact it had on my life. Like mm-hmm. there was a time, there's been a lot of things that have gone on in my life that has given me cause for being negative. Like I went through, I've talked about this a few times on my, a few times on my channel, but I went through a horrible first marriage. I had a controlling piece of crap husband. I ended up leaving with, he was five years old at the time, my five-year-old oldest son now, um, starting over from scratch, no money, no idea what I was going to do. And just like, I learned so much from that marriage though. Don't Mm. get me wrong. Like there's no mistakes. There's only life lessons. Mm. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people. (laughs) I learned, I learned what it's like to start over, how to be, you know, a single mom, do all this. And then, you know, things got better. You know, I got remarried. We had another baby. And then, you know, back in 2017, we were hit again. My youngest son was diagnosed with autism and that was a really hard blow because there's so much unknown with autism. Like we don't know if he's ever going to be able to be self-sufficient. Back when he was diagnosed, we didn't know if he would ever speak Mm. because that's one of the primary reasons why we had him evaluated because he wasn't speaking. He would grunt and he, he would grunt. He didn't know how to clap. He couldn't wave. It was just we knew there was something wrong. And so immediately went into therapy appointments and doing all this. And it was a time where I was really sad for a really long time. And I started 
telling myself, you know, there, I can't just be sad. I can't think negatively. I have to believe that everything that I'm doing has a purpose. And the more positive I would get, the better things would get. Oh. The, the more positive I would get, the, he started talking more. He's, he's still struggling. Um, he's speaking, but he, it's, he struggles. He can't carry on a conversation. He's, he's like a little parrot. <laughs> he kind of just repeats whatever you say. Uh -huh. He doesn't really have, and he can kind of tell you what he wants. If it's like a food, he can mm -hmm. tell you what he wants, but he's getting better. And mm -hmm. then like the more positively I would think about my business, the better my business would do. And really when my son was diagnosed with autism, I needed my business to do well because when children, when children are autistic, it's almost always the kind of situation where one parent has to stay home because how can I work outside the house? You know, I have to do therapy appointments. I have to do doctor's appointments. I have to, you know, do partial school or take him to ABA. It's just, I can't work outside the house. So mm -hmm. now it's like, I have to make this work. And there was a time where every, like, I felt almost like a victim. Like I felt like, why is this happening? Why, why is my son having these struggles? Why, why? Like that was a big, I felt I had a kind of a victim mentality and I really switched to positive thinking. I can just do what I can do. And so it got a little bit better throughout 2018. It was, it was really hard year. 2018 was a really hard year. And then in 2019, that's when I said, you know what? I have to be positive. Mm. Every like negativity's got to go away. Uh, and I started like anytime anybody tried to gossip with me, nope, don't <laughs> want to hear about it. Don't care. Don't want to hear about it. Um, and just positive thinking. And and the more positively I thought about my business, the more positively I talked about myself, my family, everything just started getting so much better. Mm. And even though 2020 has kind of sucked so far. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to see opportunity and trying to express gratitude mm. because I, that's another big part. Be grateful, be grateful mm. for what you have. If you get one sale, be grateful for that one sale. If you'll, if you made a dollar profit, be thankful because that dollar you didn't have before, you know, you made a dollar appear as if out of nowhere. <laughs> so that's like the biggest probably piece of advice I would give anybody life lessons, whatnot, is that just, you have to be positive. You cannot speak negatively and expect good things to happen. It just, it won't. Oh, that's great. No, I appreciate that. That was awesome, Lindy. Thank you. And I mean, being real too. I mean, yeah. that, that is, that speaks volumes. So thank you, Lindy. Really appreciate that. Okay. One more question for you. So we're, I kind of feel like we're in the roaring 20s of reselling like right now. Like things have been hot. <laughs> everything's all good. And, you know. Other than not being able to source. Yeah, but we all figured out how to source. Yeah. Like I've been sourcing on eBay. Like there's no tomorrow. And I've been killing it sourcing on eBay. And so it's weird. Like I don't even know. I mean, I'm going to go to the thrift. I'm going to go to garage sales. But I really, if I don't have to, like I, I can make it happen still. I'm just wondering how long will this be this way? Like, so what are your thoughts, Lindy? What are your thoughts on the future reselling? When it comes to the future of reselling overall or the future oh. of reselling with the pandemic? We got to throw, throw pandemic in now, right? But that's the thing. Like, is this the new norm or is this just right now? Well, I think it's just right now, first of all. 
I think it's just right now because there's no way, at least I don't believe that it, that this can continue on forever. Like it's our, our economy, our country cannot continue just as everybody just stays at home and the, the government will just send us all checks. Everybody just stay inside. No big deal. No, it's that, that can't happen. It can't happen. Like it could happen maybe for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it, it, it's not going to be there. I can see the new normal being businesses are open, but they're limiting the number of people that are allowed to go in stores like's happening now. You know, they have someone sitting at the door counting how many people go in and saying, nope, you can't go in yet. There's too many people like because people have to be able to spread out. Um, I see people needing being required gloves, face masks. Um, I can see that being a part of the short term, long term, like maybe the next year, maybe or at least until there's a treatment or something. I see that happening, but I don't see people never being able to source at the thrift again. I don't see that happening. Um, Long-term, I see nothing but good things for reselling. I believe that there is going to be, I I try to see silver linings, right? So Mm -hmm. we talked about positive thinking. So I always see silver linings. I see this as an opportunity for online sellers to really shine because people that might not have been buying certain things online before have started because of the pandemic and they might've liked it. Like someone might've bought this deodorant from me and I said, think you should get sponsored by that deodorant. That's probably know, like the 20th Schmitz, mention. <laughs> Schmitz hit me up. Uh, but you know, like maybe they're used to paying $12.99 at the store for this, but I sold it to them for 10 bucks. And so they're like, well, that's pretty cool. I'll just keep buying it on eBay, you know? So I see there being an opportunity and maybe getting even more of a surge of people shopping online because they got used to it for so long. And then maybe with eBay, maybe they found better deals. Maybe they found something new that they really like. And so I feel like this is an opportunity for online sellers to capitalize in the future on that because people that were already shopping online for certain things, they're going to continue to shop online for those certain things. But the people that didn't maybe started buying more on eBay, maybe started, you know, doing these online shopping things that these, all these young people do, you know, maybe they start and then they like it. And so they continue to do it. Or, you know, maybe they think that they don't ever want to have to leave the house to buy these things again. So they're always going to be ordering, not just because they got a better deal, but because they don't want to go to the store anymore because they realize that they can get it shipped to their house. So I feel like there's going to be an opportunity there. And then I also think long term, I think that resellers aren't going to be weirdos anymore. (laughs) I think... I think being a reseller is going to be recognized as an actual profession. Yay. I know because like now, like there are still people that look at me like, what do you do now? (laughs) Oh yeah. What? What? Wait, you. So you buy the stuff from target. Oh no. It gets delivered to your house. (laughs) Like a big truck with like one of those thingies and they wheel it. What? Like, it's, it's like this foreign weird thing, but I think in the future, 
reselling is going to be a, a profession. Like, what do you do? I'm a reseller. Oh, cool. And everyone will just know what it is. Mm. <laughs> I, th- I think long-term, I think that's going to end up happening. But I do think that this whole thing is an opportunity for people that weren't maybe buying certain things online to start buying certain things online and continue to buy certain things online. So I think that long-term, the sales are just going to keep, they're going to stay good and get better. Nice. That's a very positive outlook. But it was real though, too. (laughs) Well, I never thought, you know, it's funny because, so Mike's part-time and I'm full-time and I... I forget how weird people think we are in the sense that like, mm-hmm. I don't recognize it. Like I've grown my beard and all this and people always look at me like, are you okay, Orlando? Like, cause you know, I was, I was more polished. Like I had, a, I used to wear sports coats and ties when I was a school administrator and I had my Alan Edmund shoes and, you know, I did all those things and now it's like, eh, whatever. Right. But I expect everybody to embrace like that. I'm okay, but they don't. So, no. <laughs> so, so you're not working then? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's weird. Like, yeah, I get that all the time. Like, yeah. So when are you going to start looking for work? I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? Like, I do this full yeah. time. I'm good. So, no, that was great, Lindy. I I haven't heard that outlook yet. So I, I really appreciate that. So. All right, Lindy, we would we could have you on for a long time, but we got to call it quits. I know, um, like, how long is this going to be? Are we just going to just go all night long here? We, ha- we haven't had a two hour yet, but you know, no. <laughs> but Lindy, really appreciate you. Thank you for all the knowledge you dropped. And uh, definitely look forward to, you know, maybe a year or so having you back on and see how things have changed and so on. And it'll yeah, be Yeah, definitely. So. I'd love it. Absolutely. And then we could swap uh, palette stories after we start doing some. <laughs> there you go. Just oh, stay away from my supply. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Lindy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And 